Hey, check out the NPR One app. It's an app for your phone. We like to start every show by telling you about something else you could be doing and instead of listening to the program that we've taken the time to craft for your enjoyment. All this month on NPR One, you can hear episodes of Pop Culture Happy Hour a day early. Or you can listen to us. You can listen to us right now. Find Pop Culture Happy Hour, stories from your local station, and more great podcasts other than this one on the NPR One app. It's on your app store right now. That's NPR One O-N-E. I feel like we should start by saying we, we are not about to talk about golf. I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about what's about to happen. We will talk about something related to golf, but not the game itself. So a kind of crazy thing happened at the Masters Golf Tournament last week. Let's listen to a, a bit of NPR correspondent Tom Goldman's report about it. You mentioned Louis' hole-in-one. We should say there were two other hole-in-ones, yep. so three on the same Now, in case you missed it, we're going to go back and we're going to play that bit again, but at a slower speed. We should say there were two... Other hole in ones. Yeah. So three. It really on seems same. like it should be holes in one, not hole in ones. Tom Goldman is on the line with us now. So Tom, which is it? You know, I said hole in ones and it just I I, I just blurted that out and afterwards I said, Uh oh, I think I said that wrong because everywhere you read holes in one. But you know, so th- there may be something to that, to the-, the fact that I just I- instinctively said it. But after a little in-depth research, I'm not so sure. Um, I-, I went online and um, and found this-, this chat about the issue. These are people with not a lot of things to do, obviously. <laughs> but they're talking about this. And i got to read to uh, you from one of these interesting posts. And the person said, okay, you know, it's like mothers-in-law and attorneys general, holes in one. But this person, that just didn't sit right with him, and they said, a mother-in-law is a kind of mother, an attorney general is a kind of attorney, but a hole-in-one is not a kind of hole, it's a kind of golf shot. Sure, there is a hole involved, but we would not substitute hole-in-one with hole-in-two, donut hole, or any other kind of hole. Just like a hole in the wall describes the kind of bar, I don't think you would say I went to three holes in the wall last night. So basically, if you follow any of that, hole-in-one by itself, that's all of the thing, the entity. And if you have multiple, multiples of that, it would follow that it's hole-in-ones. Yeah, okay. Right? That That's a very good argument that I had not considered. I, I guess, I guess, you know. Um, so... So what happened in the final round of the Masters was so rare, the fact that you had multiple of these things, (laughs) and three of them on the same hole. So uh, honestly, in in the many years I've been doing my job, I've never encountered this issue. This was the first time, and, and, you know, I think it, uh, I don't expect to encounter it again. You never know. But here's here's the way I'm going to resolve it. You know, the slang for hole-in-one is an ace. That's a lot easier to say. Yeah. There were three aces. I think I'll go with that. I can't believe that this question I'm about to ask is relevant to the conversation we're having, but if you were at a party and you ate multiple cocktail weenies uh, surrounded by dough, what would you say you had eaten? 
you know, first I'll say that is irrelevant. And another thing, I don't go to, to, to too many parties like that. I don't go to many parties anyway. What I, you're asking me what I say, pigs in a blanket or pig in, pig in a blankets. Yeah. I'd have to go the first because, uh, well, then again, it's multiple pigs and it's multiple blankets. Pigs in blankets, pigs in a blanket. Um, I would probably say this is a, these are really good hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the strategy. Yeah, Tom, do you say uh, RBIs or RSBI? RBIs, I can say that without hesitation. Okay, because that's similar, right? Runs batted in. Yeah, but you know when you do the, that, that abbreviation, it's RBIs. It's not RSBI. <laughs> you would never say run runs batted ins. You wouldn't say run batted ins. Right. Runs batted ins. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. It's okay. funny how if we were all if we all did the smart thing we would all sound stupid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think we already do. Well this is great. Thanks, Tom. I have a headache. I think it's fair to say that one of the greatest struggles we face in our modern times is food, food deserts, food shortages. It's trying to f- trying to free up space on your iPhone so you can download more things and take pictures and stuff. Brian Menegas has a tip. As it turns out, if you download a movie or really any file that's significantly larger than the free space that you have on your phone, uh, it'll start clearing space for you. No one's really sure what it's clearing, and you have to do it uh, a couple of times, but it does slowly start to remove files from your phone that you probably didn't even know you had. So what Brian is suggesting you do is you go into the iTunes store, pick up a long movie, and rent it. Maybe uh, one of the Godfather movies or Heat by Michael Mann. Anything that in olden days might have taken two VHS tapes to complete. In Brian's case, he chose The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Any of the other... Peter Jackson movies, probably the Blade Runner director's cut, whatever three-hour-long movie you can think of. So these are like multiple gigabytes, giant files. Yeah, like four to six gigs. And, okay, so you you pick a giant movie, So then, but then the space you wanted to free up, is it then filled by that movie? Uh, No, that's the interesting thing. Um, In the interest of making sure that this works optimally, I filled up my phone with as much music as I could possibly fit on it. I think I had maybe... 400 megs of space left. And when I went to go try to rent Lord of the Rings of Two Towers, it would hang for a second, it would tell me that I needed to clear up space, and then it would direct me to settings. But every time that I would do that and go back to settings, I would have slightly more space. Wait, so you hadn't even started downloading it yet? No, no, and it's not going to charge you either, which is the best part about it. So if it never gets to the point of renting the, the movie, you don't have to pay any money. It just clears your phone for free. This is so great, and I feel like this is gonna, this is really gonna change my relationship with my phone. Um, I mean, in the sense that it makes your phone easier, yes, but also in the sense that now I sort of don't necessarily trust my phone. Yeah. Uh, because no one can seem to agree exactly which files are, are being cleared. Yeah. Uh, some people said it was the generally cached files through all applications, and the weirdest part is that it happens, you know, slowly and iteratively. So. If you're going to clear up all of the space on your phone, 
you have to try to download this movie like seven or eight times. Maybe this just demonstrates the true power of the One Ring. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you may be right about that. Well, Brian, this is a great tip. Thanks. Hey, no problem. Nice talking to you guys. Brian Minigus writes for Gizmodo, which I think is how you say that. I think we've been saying it wrong. Gizmodo. I think we've been saying it wrong our whole lives. I think that is right. It's Gizmodo. Like the gremlin. Yes. Gizmo. What's they call before their gremlins? They have a name, right? Yeah. I'm, I'll... Yeah, I... Well, let's start this next interview. I'll, I'll look it up, and then afterward we'll have okay. the answer. But, but still, listen to this interview. Hey, Kelsey. What can we help you with? Basically... I'm interested if there's any correlation between the number of hands that a candidate shakes and their general electability or success in primary elections. Yeah, if you if you could say increase your chances of winning by just shaking more hands. Lots of hands. Yeah. And part of it, it made me think when Larry David did his bit on Bernie mm-hmm. on SNL. I think it was him that did a part where he wouldn't shake somebody's hand because she just coughed into it. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, my God, Mr. Bernie Sanders! Oh, I'm your biggest fan. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, I'm feeling the burn. <laughs> what? That's okay. Well, what do you mean? You don't think so. Shake you, my hand. You, you coughed into your hand. Don't shake it after a cough. No, I didn't. Shake, shake my hand. No, no. We specifically coughed into no. your hand. I saw it. I no, did. I didn't. Come on, Mr. Sanders. Don't be rude. Shake my wife's hand. Sorry, I am not being rude. She's the one who's being rude by offering a German-fested hand. I'm me. German-fested hand? Oh, is that right? I'm a voter is what I am, Bernie. German-fested German hand. I am running for president. I do not shake disgusting hands. All right, Kelsey, we're going to help you here. Uh, online with us now is someone who has been a witness to many, many candidate handshakes. Can you just uh, introduce yourself for us? Well, I'm uh, Clay Russell. I'm talking to you from Macomb, Mississippi now, but uh, I suspect I'm on the podcast because of my seven years as Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger's body man, where I witnessed many, many handshakes. And uh, before we get to that, what, can you, for people that don't know, what does a body man do? A body man is a personal aide, but they usually travel with high-level government officials. They're usually just over the person's shoulder carrying everything from hand sanitizer to pens to, in my case, I had, I really tore up a lot of suits because my pockets were all full. I had cigar cutters and cigar lighters and uh, Sharpies for signing autographs. Arnold's, not mine. And there was also an element of what I called external hard drive. You might remember there was a scene in um, The Devil Wears Prada where Meryl Streep is at an event and she has two assistants over her shoulders and she says, you know, through her teeth, who is this man walking towards me? And one of the assistants leans in and says, oh, that's Senator so-and-so and that's his new wife so-and-so. And and I did a lot of that. Really? Uh, yeah, because, you know, I'd say, uh, oh, we're going into this event and you're going to see... I'd I'd look at the the briefing ahead of time, and I'd say, you're going to see this so-and-so, and you were at his house when he threw a fundraiser, and he had the big ice sculpture of the eagle, or whatever it was, so that, you know, Arnold could say, 
oh, I'm still remembering that, that fundraiser with that eagle sculpture, and it was great. And people loved it. Did you ever, Clay, in that moment, did you ever make a mistake? Where I goofed a couple of times, you know, we'd get these briefings, and the advanced people would do a great job of, of saying who was going to be there. But one day, it was an event for veterans. I saw Judge Reinhold, you know, the actor. Yeah. And I didn't know of any connection, and there were some, I'm sorry to say, uh, bigger names there, and frankly, they didn't all fit on the card, so I didn't include Judge Reinhold. And he was there and said hi to Arnold, and like as we left, the instant the door closed, the car door closed, he said, why didn't I know about him? <laughs> he was in some movie, I, and I, I haven't seen most of Arnold's movies, so I didn't know. And he, you know, the, the default uh, exclamation was, tell advance, they really goofed on that one. And I said, no, that's my goof. I, you know, I saw the name, didn't know there was a connection. I'm sorry. Did he really say goofed? No. The standard term when people messed up was, you really boned me there. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I just miss, no pun intended, misjudged. Uh, how he how he rated it's so interesting you know the you talk about kind of the external hard drive and you know in in your professional life it's you're you are you kind of become an extension of another person well you know it's kind of where it started one one thing about my role that's unusual for for body people is i i wrote his personal letters and I sort of oversaw his correspondence. Because um, as, as great a communicator as he was, he understood that in writing, he needed help, whether it was speech writers or letters. And, and when he went into office, we were getting about a third the volume of mail as the White House. Wow. And while there's no way to avoid all form letters, he wanted, where possible, for people not to get form letters. And that's part of why I started going everywhere with him. So, well, as an example of fundraisers, you know, so we could put in the letter. And and man, I loved that ice sculpture. That was great. You know, he wanted people, when they got a letter from him, to go, wow. One of the, the best warm, fuzzy moments I ever had, we arrived somewhere to an event, and the lady in charge met him as he got out of the car and said, Governor, I got your letter and I framed it because I knew it wasn't written by some secretary. <laughs> what was what was the most surprising day you had or the most surprising thing that happened when you were when you were the body man? Surprising. We were in the White House well, a number of times, but one day he was back there for a meeting with the president and I was sitting in the West Wing waiting room with his press secretary. And it was a really busy day. I think there might have been a, a National Security Council meeting because uh, Donald Rumsfeld came in and Condoleezza Rice came in and Secretary Powell came in and the head of the CIA came in. And as each one of them walked in, their security person peeled off. So this waiting room, which wasn't especially big, 
was filling up with security people. So our press secretary and I are sitting there on this little bench, and we saw several people stand up, and the president walked through. He was on his way out to his car. So we're standing up. When Arnold comes out of the back and he's talking to us, we're saying, how did it go? And he notices right next to where we're standing, there was a, on top of a pedestal a big bronze bust of Lincoln. Probably, I'd, I'd say it's life-size, just based on the, you know, the head. So Arnold puts his arm around it and lifts it off the pedestal. He says, if they don't give you a gift, take one. And he starts heading out the door. And it's like a grocery store that's an automatic door. And the, the uniformed Secret Service guy is at a little lectern like a, you know, like a maitre d', and he's just standing with his mouth agape. Arnold gets to the door. It opens. And then he turns around, walks back, and replaces it on the pedestal, and we all head out laughing. That was pretty unusual. And I don't <laughs> wow. think the... Uh, the guy at the West Wing door had ever seen that before. I have to ask you, Clay, as a body man, you are working for somebody who's known for having an incredible body. Uh, Did you, were, were you ever in, under any pressure to get pumped up? Not to get pumped up, but, you know, we spent, uh, I don't know, three, four days a week in Sacramento. And at the time, it was one of the handful of states that had no governor's residence. So we lived in a hotel. It was a two-bedroom suite at the Hyatt Regency. And he'd go work out most nights. And I don't know, two or three times he'd say, Clay, come with us. And I had to put shorts on and go to the gym and piddle around while he was doing his routine. And it was just like, I don't know, I'd rather have had a root canal than do that. It was just so out of my realm yeah. Did he ever ask you to spot him? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, no, that that never came up. You know, one night we'd been in Sacramento, I don't know, six months, and he was going to bed, and I was going into my room, and he stopped and turned around and said, what must people think, the two of us living here like this? And he kind of shrugged and walked away. <laughs> I mean, most body men are, you know, 22 years old, and here I was, a 40-something gay Democrat, you know, not just traveling with, but we were part-time roommates. It was an odd time. It sounds like a great Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> well, you make the deal, I'll write it. Well, Clay, thank you so much for uh, helping us out. Well, you're very welcome. Okay, I, I, did some, I did some research. The film is about a young man who receives a strange creature called a mogwai. Mogwai. As a pet. Then oh, okay. through, through a number of processes, it turns into a, a small, destructive, evil monster called a gremlin. But, never, but Gizmo never changes. Gizmo never becomes a bad guy. Well, uh, that, that is kind of a spoiler. It's another part of our show. We'd like to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. And this week, that's Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can avoid trips to the post office, buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your computer. 
600,000 small businesses already use stamps.com. I swear when we started reading these, it yeah. was 500,000. That's that's the power of, of what we're doing. This this uh, this sponsorship credit with which we are reading, we've created 100,000 small businesses. That's what I that's what I take away. Just the two of us, the power of our voices. Right now, use the promo code everything for a special offer. A 4-week trial plus a digital scale and free postage. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone, and type in everything. But it's not just stamps.com. We also want to tell you about Target. Target would love you to check out Made to Matter, handpicked by Target. There's 100% vegan mascara from Pacifica, made with natural ingredients, and Suja created a line of waters that contain billions of probiotics, are low in sugar, and 100% organic. Check them out and the rest of the better for you products made to matter has to offer at target.com slash made to matter. That does it for today's show. What we learned today, Mike? I learned that you can make space on your iPhone by renting a movie and you don't have to pay for it. You know what would be fun if, if everyone starts doing this? We make a movie that is five hours long yeah the only purpose of which is to help people clear out space on their iPhones yes what happens when two men make a discovery that changes everything nothing nothing happens you want to get some food nah yeah I guess I'm I'm feeling pretty good yeah I'm fine Take a journey to a land where things go on, like, way longer than they should. Where people meet and have no tension or romance. Hey, did you, uh, make a fresh pot of coffee? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. This is a place like any other place, but so much more boring, painfully so. Like, how could anyone stand to be here in this crushingly boring place? Did you hear something? That was my stomach. Sorry. I guess I am a little hungry. You want to go get some food? No. How to Do Everything is produced by Nadia Wilson with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Ghost Intern. She's standing right behind you in flowing robes. Great job, Ghost Intern. Keep it creepy, Ghost Intern. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. You can visit our website at howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. I'm Mike. Thanks. This episode of How to Do Everything is now over. It's done. So rather than stand in silence as if all the other souls on the earth were gone, perhaps you could listen to another podcast that NPR has to offer. Check out Embedded. Each week, Embedded takes you to a new place out in the world searching for the people behind a headline. Kelly McEvers gets embedded with biker gangs in Texas after a deadly shootout, tries to figure out how it happened and who to trust. Listen and subscribe to Embedded Now at npr.org slash podcasts.